Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. What are you drinking, Heather? Um, a nice fountain drink, a nice Coca-Cola from Wendy's. Ooh, I do love a fast food chain fountain beverage. It has to be like a Coke, though. A Coke or a Diet Coke. Oh, yeah. Because it's just, it just hits different. Yeah, it's got like the right amount of bubbles. what it is. Yeah, but the right amount of I syrup. Only, I only really like Coke when it's from like a fountain. Mm-hmm. I love me a Wawa Cherry Coke from their fancy machines with all the buttons. I know. Eric does that. or And then he does this thing where he does Coke and then he does Fanta and then he does Coke. <laughs> To make like orange a little, coke, a little layered parfait with his soda. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, I had a boring coffee this morning, but yesterday I had the cookie butter cold brew from Dunkin', which My I'm fave. so happy you told me about because that cookie butter cold foam just give me that in a bowl. I know. Forget the cold. Well, no, the cold brew is delicious too because it has like that cookie uh-huh. flavoring. But that cold brew, I mean, that cold foam is just something else. I literally get that cold brew at least twice a week. It's so good. And it's not too sweet because I thought it would be too sweet, especially with the, the flavored coffee and the foam. Mm-hmm. But it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I know. And it's, I really like Duncan's cold brew. Mm-hmm. It's actually yeah. I haven't decent. gotten their iced coffee. I don't even remember the last time I got their iced coffee. It's either cold brew or a latte. I feel like yeah. it's the safest bet. You're right. All right. So cheers. Cheers. Okay. So let's talk about Sarah Pierce. She studied English and creative writing at the University of Warwick and worked in PR for a variety of brands. After moving to Switzerland in her 20s, she spent every spare moment exploring the mountains and the Swiss alpine town of Kranz, Montana. That's definitely not how you say it, but (laughs) I am from the US of A. The dramatic setting that inspired her debut novel, debut novel, The Sanatorium. Again. 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 (laughs) So the idea for the plot actually came from an article in a local Swiss magazine about the history of sanatoriums in the area. So it's not based on an actual sanatorium, but that's where she got the idea. That's interesting. Fun. Yeah. And creepy, which I like. So this book was first published in January 2020, just a few months before the beginning of the end of the world, known as COVID. It was an instant New York Times bestseller and number one Sunday Times bestseller and was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. Now, I saw TikTok about Reese Witherspoon's book club, and I kind of fell down this little rabbit hole. So allegedly, she does pick each book herself. Okay. Because she's a big reader. Uh-huh. And in order to become a Reese pick, the narrative must center on a woman and it must give readers hope. Interesting. Which I like. And so far, well, the article I read was from a couple years ago, but at that point they had never featured a male author and they didn't say they were against it, but it would have to be like from a um, female's point yeah, of view. Just, yeah, exactly. And which, we know we know how men write females. Yeah. How male authors so I, write female characters. I don't know if it would make the cut. So the whole thing with the book club is she obviously helps boost sales immensely based mm-hmm. on, you know, featuring yeah. that book as her pick. And she's catapulted some 
relatively unknown authors to become very well known off of their, I'll say it again, debut novels. Sarah <laughs> Pierce being one of them, Delia Owens, who we covered recently. And the trade off is that Reese's production company gets exclusive rights to the TV or movie adaptation of mm-hmm. each book if they so choose. So it doesn't mean that it's definitely going to be made into a TV or a movie, but it means that only Reese's production company would have the power to do that because they That's have those exclusive like smart rights. On her part. Exactly. That's just so more she can kind of Oh, absolutely. And she can kind of see how well it does, and then she already has that exclusivity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's a pretty good trade-off for these authors because even if their book doesn't get made into a TV show or a movie, they already have their name out there. It's very likely that their next book is going to be a success because people already know them as a household name because of Reese Witherspoon. So overall, I think it's a great concept, especially with this like focus on women and hope and et cetera. And I just, I love Reese Witherspoon. So I do too. She's, I can't be mad about that. She's the best. I thought it was Mm -hmm. so funny when she had that little scuffle with the law a couple years ago and she had like that DUI or something and everyone in her mugshot was just on like every every tabloid. (laughs) I'm going to include a picture of her mugshot on the TikTok for this book. Uh, (laughs) And a picture of her from Legally Blonde just to balance it out. Yes, absolutely. Um, Anyway, so this book is classified as mystery, crime, suspense, gothic, just an overall thriller, which I totally Mm -hmm. agree with. Um, It is the first in the Ellen Warner series. The second was published in 2022, and there's a third expected in 2024. No release date yet, but they do have, like, you know, the title and summary and all that stuff. So here is our Goodreads summary. Half hidden by forest and overshadowed by threatening peaks, La Somme has always been a sinister place. Long plagued by troubling rumors, the former abandoned sanatorium has since been renovated into a five-star minimalist hotel. An imposing, isolated getaway spot high up in the Swiss Alps is the last place Ellen Warner wants to be. But Ellen's taken time off from her job as a detective, so when her estranged brother Isaac and his fiancée, Lore, invite her to celebrate their engagement at the hotel, Ellen really has no reason not to accept. Arriving in the midst of a threatening storm, Ellen immediately feels on edge. There's something about the hotel that makes her nervous. And when they wake the following morning to discover Laura's missing, Ellen must trust her instincts if they hope to find her. With the storm closing off all access to the hotel, the longer Laura stays missing, the more the remaining guests start to panic. Ellen is under pressure to find Laura, but no one has realized yet that another woman has gone missing. And she's the only one who could have warned them just how much danger they are all in. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 dot. Which, that part's misleading, to be honest. I agree. I was reading that and I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess. I remember when I like was reading the, the jacket of the book and I saw that and then I kind of went back to it like in my head a few times and I was like, this doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't happen <laughs> realistically. Yeah. Like no one could have warned you. I mean, no. other women go missing, but also... It's such a long description, but it still doesn't give away the whole book. Cause this no, it is, doesn't. This is a long book. It is a long book. All right. So this book is mostly from the point of view from our unreliable narrator, Ellen. Ellen has a partner named Will, who is effortless and charming and sounds like he has no faults whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Weird, but okay, I'll accept it. And Ellen has a somewhat estranged, but definitely strained relationship with her brother, Isaac. 
So they had another younger brother who died by drowning when Ellen was 12. And their mother also recently passed due to cancer. So they have a lot of death in the family. They have, you know, they lost their younger brother when they were very young. That's already talk about trauma. Yeah, I know. And Ellen does a lot of alluding to the fact that Isaac is sketchy and always has been sketchy ever since they were kids. She's having trouble with the grief from her brother's death since literally the age of 12. And she has not dealt with this grief. How Mm -hmm. she is a functioning human being is beyond me. But we'll get back to that. (laughs) So... Ellen's mission is to find out what truly happened to their little brother, Sam. The story when she was younger is that he drowned, but she's been having these weird flashbacks that she doesn't know if they're flashbacks, but she doesn't know where else they could be coming from. It's kind of unclear. And they make her think that there's more to the story, a.k.a. Isaac. And the mystery of his death is what led her to become a police officer and ultimately a detective. Mm hmm. So her first major case as a detective, and it was super tough trying case. We find out that Ellen didn't follow protocol. She confronted the suspects without waiting for backup. He attacked her. And of course, this attack happened in the water. And ever since Sam's death by drowning, Ellen has a very complicated relationship with water. Obviously. Understandable. (laughs) understandably 100%. So because of that traumatic event where Ellen froze up and didn't handle things the way she should have and ends up getting hurt by the suspect in this case, it has her questioning whether she can still be a detective. Although no one at work blames her. So I don't know if it wasn't actually as bad as she thinks it was or if they don't realize the extent to which she handled the situation badly. Mm. I'm unsure because they're they're encouraging her to come back to work. It's been like a year, right? That she took off. She took a very extended leave. And they're just like, so are you going to come back or? Yeah. And then they're like, we need an answer by next week. It's been a year. (laughs) She just just completely ignores them. Probably for that entire year. She just ignores all contact. So basically between her grief over Sam and her mother, her doubt about Isaac and her issues with her job, Ellen is a shell of a person at this time. And Will is being patient, but he's not happy about it. And Ellen knows that he is frustrated with her and he won't wait forever for her to commit and take the next step in their relationship. Mm -hmm. So Lore is Isaac's fiance. And we find out that she and Ellen have a history. When they were kids, they were best friends. Yeah. Like inseparable best friends during the summers because it was when Laura was visiting, I guess, their summer house. Right. With her mom. (laughs) And Ellen has guilt about how their friendship ended because she kind of cut Laura out of her life after Sam died. And Mm -hmm. Laura kept trying to reach out, kept trying to bring her back to normalcy and, you know, And that didn't work, trying to ask her how she was, all this stuff. And Ellen kind of had this resentment towards her because Laura's life was going on as normal. Mm -hmm. And Ellen didn't have that option. Yeah, it's like an envy, definitely. Yeah. So it was kind of like she she didn't see how they could be friends anymore. Yeah. But basically just completely ghosts her. And then Laura's engaged to her brother. Which 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. Especially because they're like completely in a different country. Yeah. From where they grew up. And I don't know. And yeah. So it's one of those weird, it's one of those weird connections that they were trying to make, I think, in the story to like inter, make everything interwoven. And it was just kind of like, all right. Which wasn't really necessary now that I think about it. Like no. they did not have to have a history at all. No, they didn't at all. Hmm. So tensions are high when they first get to the hotel. And that first night, we waste no time because Laura goes missing immediately. And Ellen is like, Isaac strikes again. Here we go. Immediate blame on her brother. <laughs> Immediate blame on her brother. She's like, who else would have done something? We don't even know if something has been done, but who else would who have else done something? Meanwhile, we get a few chapters from other characters who are being kidnapped by someone in a creepy-ass gas mask, like they used to use in the sanatorium. Mm -hmm. I will this... say, this book Ooh. did creep me out a couple times. Like, I was actually it... was yes. creeped out a very mul like, multiple times. I agree. The whole claustrophobia and the gas mask, and then we're... Uh, Adele sees the instruments like the scalpel mm -hmm. and the I was like, "Ooh, I don't like any of this. Mm -mm. This is a no-no." Yeah, it, that it was, was definitely getting, creepy. Mm -hmm. It was getting torture pornish and I was like, yes. "Okay, where are we going with this?" <laughs> so, first uh Daniel the Builder, he was originally partnering on the hotel opening. We get his kidnapping and then second Adele, who is one of the hotel cleaners, and then we start to get the truly isolating and as i said claustrophobic atmosphere the hotel is being evacuated due to severe avalanche risk and of course before ellen and will can evacuate adele is found dead in one of the pools with the gas mask on her face missing fingers wrists restrained with sandbags on her chest it's a lot now hearing that What's your first conclusion, Heather? Is this an accident? Is this a murder? Is this some kink? <laughs> is this like kink gone wrong? What is your first instinct? I'm just, I'm still stuck on is this an accident? Like she put the gas mask on herself, somehow chopped off her fingers, somehow got stuck with sandbags and fell into a pool. <laughs> well, I'm telling you that Ellen doesn't want to jump to any conclusions of any kind. True, true, and true, true. accident crossed her mind, okay? She was like, we have to be sure this is a murder. I know that she's missing fingers. I know that she's restrained. She's been weighed down. And she's wearing a creepy-ass gas mask. But is this... But, but is it so kink. sure. Is it a kink thing? And then she thinks it over long and hard. She finds the fingers in a display box near the body and she's like you know what this is a murder bingo classified murder i'm on it let me get my detective hat detective ellen to the rescue she's like excuse me everyone we have a murder so the display case like i said it's got three fingers in there and three copper bracelets with numbers on them and we don't know what these mean but we know they gotta mean something Mm -hmm. So Ellen steps in to help with the murder investigation since the police can't get to the lodge. And she's like corresponding with them over the telephone. And they're kind of giving her instructions, but they're telling her 
not to go too wild because she doesn't have jurisdiction there. And it's kind of like anything that she finds out can't be used in an investigation officially because she's not under that jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. So Ellen's like, it's fine. I've got this. She starts interviewing everyone. She doesn't really share that she's technically not a cop at the moment. No, she keeps that little that little nugget to herself. It's a detail that didn't seem that important in lieu of the missing fingers, which, I mean, I can't blame her. No. So they see the CCTV footage where Ellen finds that Lore has been alive, watching her, and seemingly pushed her in the pool. So now, is Lore a victim? as she originally thought, or the killer. Lines are getting blurred. Suspects are popping up. Mm -hmm. A lot of red herrings. Yeah. And then we meet Lucas and Cecile, brother and sister who are sketchy as fuck. Mm -hmm. Let's just put it out there. Lucas is the owner, architect, creator, brains and imagination behind the hotel. Mm-hmm. And Cecile is his sister, who is the manager of the hotel. And we find out that Lucas had a relationship with Lore, and Lucas broke it off with her, but she wasn't happy about it because she had creepy photos of him that Which, he didn't again, know were being taken. Also, was that ever addressed or like discussed why it even was there any idea as to why that would even happen? I don't think so. No, no. It no, like Lore had other motivations, which we'll get to, but there was no motivation for this other than being creepy. I'm pretty yes, sure. Fair. I mean, if there was, I missed it. Same. Um, and she was also sending him threatening typewritten letters, so she was she was a little bit upset. I mean, she is fully engaged to Isaac, but she's not happy with Lucas, and she's no. not going to let him forget it. Mm-mm. So next. Laura's body is found murdered in a very similar way to Adele. Different method, but same signature. Obviously, Laura is a victim and not our killer. So Ellen is like, shit, okay, I got that one wrong. So she continues investigating and she finds a zip drive in Laura's pocket. And she finds that the bracelet ID numbers match patient numbers from a German psychiatric facility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here is where I was getting really confused because obviously... Obviously, you know that the sanatorium has something to do with all of this. The display cases, the descriptions of the past, the obvious resentment people had towards the whole project. But I'm like, okay, they're expanding this to Germany. Now I'm confused. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's let's follow this one through. Let's see how this gets gets us back to Switzerland. Meanwhile, in the middle of all this, with truly horrible timing. Ellen confronts Isaac about Sam's death. Yeah. Girl. She's like, you know what? While all this is going on, I just want to pile this, make this pile of shit even higher. So real quick. She's like, I know that your fiance is dead and you found out that she was fucking around with someone else. But also, did you kill our brother? (laughs) And Ellen gets what she asked for. She gets the truth about what happened to Sam. She froze. That day, she went into shock when he fell into the water and hit his head, and she was unable to act. So she didn't dive into the water to save him. She was just frozen. And Isaac found her that way. And basically, Isaac had nothing to do with it. No. What did you think of this? This was, it was lackluster, because 
you know, you're expecting this whole thing of Isaac had nefarious actions that he took against Sam because they made it seem like he there was like a rivalry between them and he didn't like Sam for whatever reason. He was like the outcast brother or sim- mm-hmm. the outcast sibling out of the three of them. And then when when you find out that realistically he did nothing and she just completely blocks out her experience due to like mm-hmm. the shock and the traumatic part of it. And then again, there truly was nothing that they could have done. He hit his head and he like died instantaneously. And so mm-hmm. she's just flashing back to like the blood on Isaac's hands and she's like, oh, it was him. He did something. But really, he obviously didn't. Yeah, like, how much of an asshole was he as a kid for her to Mm -hmm. automatically think that he murdered their little brother? Yeah, maybe it's because he also pulled himself away from the family, too. He kind of isolated himself as well. Yeah, that's true, too. Okay, so back to our ongoing murder mystery investigation. So Margot, the spa receptionist, she goes missing next, and Ellen decides to keep investigating even though she's been asked to stop. Explicitly asked to stop because she is not currently a cop. But she's like, if I don't do it, no one will, so I must. <laughs> and Will is like, I've had enough of this. You need a a protector because you're acting a fool. Mm-hmm. And she keeps putting herself into dangerous situations on purpose. And she Absolutely. knows that she doesn't do well in high-pressure situations, so I'm not sure. But anyway, Will goes with her, and they find Margot staging a kidnapping. Then she attacks Ellen and stabs Will. And she says she organized all of this because the hotel is evil. And then she runs away. And they find an envelope with photos of the medical methods used back when the sanatorium was operating. So Margot was reenacting the photos. There was the sandbags on the chest, the slit throat, the missing fingers. And with a good amount of the book left, you're like, okay, this is weird. Yes. We have our killer. I felt I was that like, too. I was kind yeah. of, and again, I was confused as well because I was like, okay, now this obviously can't be over because literally mm-hmm. only halfway through the book. And then I was like, this also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah. So it was kind of like, okay, are we switching from a murder mystery to now like a cat and mouse thing? Like they have to find her before she does the next thing. So obviously you knew that there was there was something more coming because we couldn't be finished yet. So Lucas and Ellen go to search the hotel for her before she can continue killing. And in the secret tunnel beneath the hotel, they find Margot on a medieval torture stretching device. What? Mm-hmm. This one was graphic. This was a graphic. Clearly one. very dead. Yes. I I read it several times because I was like, I don't understand the mechanics of this. Like, I agree with that actually. And then they said that her head was like stretched out and her uh-huh. vertebrae were like yeah. all out of place. Oh, this was a rough one. And Ellen even says this she's like i know that this is the one that will stick with me mm-hmm. like this is the image that will stick with me so since margo is dead she's obviously been working with someone first thought ellen has is lucas because he runs away and just leaves her in the secret tunnel but not even really, he just like leaves her he actually like traps her in there he literally traps her and she doesn't even hear him like running away I know. he just scurries off escapes traps her in the little hatch 
And then she just like texts her way out, which is so funny. I, I thought know. that was the funniest thing ever. I was like, mm-hmm. of course your phone works. And she's like, hello, I need help. We can't be wasting time on her trying to escape out of here. We got we got other stuff to get to. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it being Lucas would be way too obvious at this point, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, agreed. So, of course, who else could it be but Cecile? And this is where it really takes a turn. It does. So she says that it started when Daniel, who was Lucas's best friend from when they were younger, from when they were like 18 or something, Daniel raped her and Lucas knew about it and did nothing. So all these years, Cecile has lived with this, has known that Lucas knew and did nothing about it, that he continued to work with Daniel and that they continued to be friends. And a couple of times she even tried to speak out about it. And her parents didn't support her. Lucas denied it. I mean, it was just a whole mess. It was a a festering wound that Mm -hmm. she had been harboring Mm -hmm. and no one was on her side. So Cecile says that the sanatorium was the final straw when she found out the things they did to women, the age old abuse of power. It was an exploitation of vulnerable women which is exactly what it was. The women were sent there by men who didn't like their behavior or didn't like them having their own ideas or just wanted them out of the way. And there was no record of these women being sent to the sanatorium. So that whole German facility, that's where this comes back to. Mm -hmm. They were sent to this sanatorium. There's no record of them being transferred there because they didn't want to have any record. They didn't want to have any record that these people had been at the sanatorium. So the plan was to expose the hotel, expose Daniel, make all these people pay for the injustices against women. And Cecile's biggest blame falls on Lucas, obviously. So Ellen finds Lucas semi-drugged and Cecile has a knife and is planning to kill him. And this is where the whole story comes out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cecile explains to her why she's doing this. Ellen, in true Ellen fashion, runs at Cecile, just (laughs) makes a mad dash. And her and Lucas fall into the water. The water, of course. Of course, all comes back. All comes back to this water. And Ellen is frozen with fear because she is in shock anytime something is happening near water. We know this. But she can't let her inaction take over again. So she dives in and basically talks Cecile off the ledge. Here's my question. How are they having this conversation outside in a blizzard while thrashing around in a pool? That's a valid point. I was like, how are you even hearing each other over the blizzard and the avalanches? And is it the- cold or is the, are, are, are these pools heated? I think they were heated because they made a big point about the steam. True, true, true. Um, yeah. Making the images from the CCTV mm-hmm. unfocused and stuff. But also, there was a lot of times where I'm like, are we inside or outside? Like, I was kind of... Yeah. Because th- this is an inside-outside activity hotel, even yes. though it is blizzarding. But anyway, I guess that's irrelevant because basically Lucas lives, Cecile lives. They're both arrested. Cecile because she's been murdering people. Lucas because <laughs> of the cover-up. Yes. And we find out that there was a lot of bribes. He was bribing Adele. He bribed a bunch of people to get rid of Daniel's, Daniel's body, body because yeah. they're actually the reason that he's dead. So they're both arrested and Ellen leaves saying that her relationship will be better with Isaac and she's finally ready to commit to Will and go back to work. The end. Now I have some discussion questions. Because 
we haven't talked about it all. We have to talk about Ellen as a character. Not only is she our unreliable narrator, as she's constantly doubting everything she knows. Yes. She's also a detective with sometimes uncontrollable panic attacks who freezes in the face of any event involving water. She was giving Chloe from Flicker in the Dark vibes, like accusing literally everyone while not dealing with her own trauma. But the only good thing is that she didn't have a substance abuse problem. No, but she definitely had like a caffeine addiction problem. Oh, yeah. All she did throughout the book was just pounding coffees. (laughs) This girl did not eat once in the whole book. No, she literally survived off like espresso. Yeah, which I mean, who can blame her? Fully booked, caffeinated. Anyway, what do you think about Ellen? See, I'm not a fan usually of the unreliable narrator because it just gets because as the reader you just want to like reach into the book and just shake them and just be like mm-hmm. being idiotic and mm-hmm. you need to also stop doing things on your own like she wanted she just keeps like she goes to meet lore because lore wanted to like meet with her to talk about it and she just goes by herself she yeah. was gonna go down into back into like the Whatever the generator that was, room. The generator room to go figure out because she had this realization that Margot, she heard something slide across the floor and Margot wouldn't have had time to grab it. So she wants to go search for it. And, you know, both times she was, well, she was saved by Will the first time. Mm-hmm. And the second time Isaac's like, you're not going by yourself. Like she just keeps yeah. throwing herself into danger to the point where you're like, girl, what's up? Why? And she knows that she can't handle these situations. Like no. she has panic attacks. She is going through a lot of issues, especially right now. She's at a heightened sense of emotion. Like it is just the worst possible time for her to be like, let me see if I've still got the detective in me. I know. I know. But I, I thought that was, but I did like that a little bit because I feel her solving this case made her realize that she is realistically a good detective and that this is mm-hmm. like the path that she wants to be on so that that was kind of nice like it was like a almost like a, you know jump starting her back to her old life yeah and we get that full story of her finally accepting the past mm-hmm. and realizing that she can now move on exactly which brings me to what do you think about the whole family's decision to withhold the information about Sam's death from Ellen. I mean, it's not right because it led her to blaming Isaac her entire life. And instead mm-hmm. of having this fractured relationship with her brother, they could have bonded over the trauma and mm-hmm. been closer. I agree. I think it's completely bonkers mm-hmm. because Ellen grew up for more than half of her life thinking her brother was possibly a killer, if not responsible of negligence that killed her other brother. Mm-hmm. And she took care of her mom in that final year. Her mom who seemingly blamed her for the death. And normally in instances like this, you know, from the book, we get like, oh, I thought that my parents blamed me, but they didn't really. But then she remembers when she, it was like Sam's birthday or Mm -hmm. something. And she went and touched her mom and her mom lost her shit, like flinched, Mm -hmm. flew across the room. So it kind of seems like her mom did feel like she was responsible and i got that vibe or that she felt yeah she kind of had like maybe a a a sense of resentment against exactly against ellen because she didn't do enough in that moment when sam fell into the water because she was just so taken aback with the shock and the traumatic Mm -hmm. 
the trauma of it all. But regardless, the doctor said, like, there was nothing you could have done. Like, he cracked his head as soon as he went in. And so it it was truly an accident. So there's nothing that could have been done. So it's not fair of the mom and them to hold that against her. I completely agree. I think thinking about it more, I'm wondering if the issue wasn't actually that they felt that she was responsible because, like you said, it was completely unavoidable. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was the fact that she had no remorse for it or no ownership of it because Mm -hmm. at the time she might not even have realized that she had gone into shock and didn't act and didn't do anything to even attempt to save him. So maybe it was that kind of her not acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. that gave them those feelings. And then Isaac distanced himself from his dying mother because he knew how hard Ellen was to be around. That's a lot in the family dynamic aspect of this story. Yes. It's definitely a dysfunctional family. 1000%. Yeah. And you have to think how we only see, you know, Ellen's point of view how she feels about Isaac, but then when you kind of hear Isaac's side of the story too, it's like the fact that her grief was so all-consuming that he couldn't even be around her because it felt like his grief didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's so upsetting because he lost his brother too. And he didn't kill him. This whole family just needed therapy. If they had all just gone to therapy, this all could have been avoided. Oh, and he, he even says that at one point. He's like, we wanted to send you to therapy, but we didn't. Um, Probably because should've. they didn't want her to remember or whatever that yeah. she was the that she was there when he died. Well, it would have been better if she remembered when she was younger because (laughs) adult Ellen is not doing great. And then there's Laura. I didn't fully understand why she just hid out at the hotel and didn't tell Isaac what was going on. Like she threatened to expose the information about the hotel and about Lucas, but then she changed her mind and decided she didn't want to expose it, which is why Cecile killed her. I I was confused about that a little bit. I feel like there were so many different storylines and they weren't exactly meshed together well. And there were a lot of Mm -hmm. loose ends and kind of unanswered questions about a lot Mm -hmm. of things. And I felt like it could have all come together. I think it could have too. And I, I, I agree with that. It was kind of. Also the burner phone. So when I was looking this up online, everyone was saying that she was talking to Margot on the phone. And maybe I missed where they confirmed, or maybe I'm not remembering where they confirmed that in the book, but I got the feeling that it was Cecile on the phone because Cecile was talking to Lore about exposing the information, then realizing that she had backtracked about it. Unless Margot was just like the mouthpiece for Cecile, which she kind of was working on behalf of Cecile. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think they confirmed exactly who that burner phone belonged to. No. Hmm. And another thing, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was never addressed why Isaac was fired from his teaching job. Oh my God, I know. (laughs) Like, who was my guy intimidating enough that he got fired and scrubbed from the record? And then at the end, he was just like, you know, you could have just asked me, Ellen. You didn't have to go behind my back. And I'm like, I'm asking you, Isaac, what the fuck happened? We get nothing. We get absolutely nothing. But I was glad that they answered that one question that I had throughout the book when Ellen like goes into his room and he's like clearly burning things in the fire, which oh, obviously yeah. was kind of was a red herring. It was trying to make you think that he did something, obviously. And then it does mm-hmm. say he was burning pictures of lore, which mm-hmm. like, by the way, dramatic, dramatic. Boy. I know, like, 
Come on. Come on, honey. And that he hid, he was obviously hiding something when mm-hmm. Elena's in the room, but it was her depression medication. Yeah. Yeah. So they did explain some of his weird behavior, mm-hmm. but not all of it. Did Laura no. cut herself shaving? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. I like the blood in the room. Like that was never really, it didn't quite add up. And also, yeah. Isaac was just such a douche in the beginning of the book, and he still had that throughout the book as well. And then at the end, they're just mm-hmm. chill with each other, which, like, okay, he I get it. He was mean. Yeah, like, you know, obviously, you mended the re- – I'm sure they were at the resort for a while, so maybe they had some time to, like, mend that relationship that obviously wasn't shown in that mm-hmm. – during that, that part of the book. But he was so hot and cold. And he would just – say these really hurtful digs mm-hmm. and she would be like there's isaac lashing out when he's angry again and i'm like she would like justify it to... yes and then i got i liked that part because then she says she related to cecile because cecile would also justify lucas's yes mm-hmm. behaviors mm-hmm. so i did like that like she had that kind of like understood she's... where she was coming from in a sense exactly she saw those similarities between them but i was like someone needs to slap isaac or something and why is will not saying like buddy relax not that we need a man to fight our battles but you know ellen's not up to it Mm -hmm. i don't know it was a lot isaac was not a likable character let's put it that way whether whether he he killed someone or not i don't think he was supposed to be likable i think that yeah i think that he was probably written this way to throw you off the scent of where the story was actually going and to Mm -hmm. just give you like a douchey character and also the message of like he could be innocent of killing sam and still be a dick yes which is exactly what it was Mm -hmm. okay so there was a lot of outrage in the town with the decision to turn the sanatorium into a hotel what is your opinion on taking places like that with such a loaded and sometimes very dark history and repurposing them? I know that sometimes they'll repurpose them like into a haunted house, which has its own connotations and issues, but repurposing into vacation destinations. I think it has a lucrative value to it because people are into that stuff. Realistically, mm-hmm. it's morbid and very messed up and there are morbid Mm -hmm. messed up people in this world that that would excite them so i could understand Mm -hmm. the appeal of it me personally no i would not enjoy that because i don't like scary things Mm -hmm. in general and obviously what happened in the sanatorium when it was detailed in the book that was a whole other thing Mm -hmm. but i get it it's not far-fetched in my opinion yeah i agree i think I mean, I'm definitely fascinated by morbid stuff like this, Mm -hmm. but I would want to see this as a museum. I would want to know more about the backstories, not in a like gas mess in the glass cases way, but to expose what the sanatorium did, the experimentations on women, all of that stuff. Staying there at a hotel? No, I'm good. Mm -mm. On a mountain? No, I'm good. No, thank you. With avalanches? Nah. No. No, couldn't be me. And okay, so as a follow up to that, we know that you never stay in a hotel like this. But what did you think about that kind of gothic atmosphere and how it turned the hotel, La Sommeil, into its own character almost? Oh, I love that. I'm a big fan of gothic undertones to stories because it gives you the creep factor and Mm -hmm. it gives you like the suspense factor, but not to the point where it's it's too much like i felt like it was 
the atmospheric writing of the author was great, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That was definitely that's something that should be highlighted because it was, like I said before, like you, I really felt creeped out a good portion yeah. of this book. And the author I makes you, that. the author puts you in that place. So I have to give her credit for that because yeah, that was great. And it was also, even though you're from Ellen's point of view, which is, you know, unreliable and she has these panic attacks, which can lead to that claustrophobic effect. Mm-hmm. The way that, that she described the feeling that the hotel gave her yes. and looking through the windows and only seeing the reflection mm-hmm. or looking through and just seeing white everywhere. Like I felt that. And I was like, wow, that is so isolating. It's so creepy. It's so not my vibe. No, thank you. No. <laughs> like, no. Reading terrifying. this, it was, it like brought me back to like when I read No Exit by Taylor Adams, because that was like yeah. the same thing. You're like, you're, you're stuck in this place. And I'm like, that is my worst fucking nightmare is being snowed mm-hmm. in somewhere. And mm-hmm. especially in a creepy place. Like, no, thank you. Exactly. Like the snow just adds this sinister, horrifying, sinister element because it's like you can't escape because then no. you'll just go and freeze to death and die. Mm-hmm. Or get taken away in an avalanche. So it's almost also like, now that you said it, reminds me of like The Shining as well. Oh, yeah. Definitely Shining vibes. Mm -hmm. For sure. All of these, I know that this is a big subgenre of thrillers. This, you know, stranded in a snowstorm type thing. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if I love it or hate it. Because I I, I like these thrillers, but I'm like... Uh, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> it's like it's like too it's realistic. Like a, I don't like it. Yeah, it's a different it's a different feeling reading these thriller books than it is like reading other ones because it exactly. gives you that those creepy vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a different level of creepiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously, the whole motive behind the killer and the exposing of the sanatorium is because of the illegal experiments and the torture on women, which in its own way sounds like a kind of justice for women message, Mm -hmm. which originally I was like, yes, love where we're going with this. But the fact that we get a seemingly unstable female detective, an obviously unstable female killer, Lore, who had this obsessive personality, basically all of the women in this book are framed as unstable and emotionally unhealthy. And I think that that really counteracts the message about justice for these women who are basically submitted to these experimental treatments because their parents or family members decided they were too opinionated or too crazy in quotes Mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck. And it just kind of, it goes back on that message and it kind of says, like reinforces the idea that all these women are crazy. They're just not punished for it like they used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kind of was also disappointed realistically when the reveal happened of why this was going on. And I was kind of, I'm just over the revenge on men subplot as well. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I feel like it's in every book realistically. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't know. When he found out the reason why Cecile was doing all this, I was like, really? Like this, the buildup, the buildup to this, I was so impressed with. I was, mm-hmm. well, first I was like, it's a, it's like a, a, a spiritual entity. Cause like the bracelets would show up. And then once mm-hmm. you pick up a bracelet, that person was then snatched by the gas mask person. So I was, mm-hmm. I thought 
that it was someone from like the sanatorium that was doing all this. That was where I was going with it. And then obviously it would make it wouldn't make sense as to how it would be because of, of how like the book progressed. But then once you get to the point that it's like Cecile and the reason why Cecile's doing it is because her brother didn't stick up for her because Daniel was a scumbag. And, yeah. you know, and her family wouldn't believe her because they loved Daniel. And it's just like this whole thing of like, you're again, you have like this victim, this victimized woman who mm-hmm. has to do all this stuff mm-hmm. just to just to go to jail. Because, she, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you don't get that like Phoenix rising from the yes. ashes story. Yes. You get someone who was driven to become mm-hmm. a serial killer. Yeah. Because of something horrible that happened. And I agree. I mean, I think that the revenge on men plot can be done well. Yes, I agree. When it's a methodical killer mm-hmm. or when it's when it's more than just this kind of loose motive. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I love that the sanatorium was brought back into it. That's the whole freaking point. You knew yes. that was going to happen. And the gas mask, like all of that, that was so creepy. But like you said, I I don't know how that could have played out. Mm-hmm. Unless it was just some random person who, or even if they had expanded on Margot doing it because of her grandmother. Yeah, that was very, that was kind of mushed in there. I feel like there wasn't enough of that. Yeah. And they, they could have expanded on that. Like that would have been mm-hmm. not a justification, obviously, but it would have been a motive that would make sense more with the killings, with the signature, mm-hmm. with the torture, with mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It it actually would have made sense with the message whereas cecile all you need to do is expose what that journalist was saying <laughs> and then lucas goes to jail i know you, why are you it killing... just took it to like a, a new a new level which again like you said it kind of backtracks and it gives you this feeling of a woman's just gone crazy and she couldn't mm-hmm. hand she couldn't handle the traumatic event that she went through so now she needs to act on it in a negative way for herself exactly you know and not, then not she's the, not the only yeah. one yeah exactly and it's not that it was not that you would take something positive out of that experience but she could have like she obviously could have her trajectory could have been different and instead mm-hmm. she has to do she has to make herself a villain mm-hmm. when she doesn't need to be villainized yeah and even ellen said that to her at the end that's how she talked her out of basically killing lucas like all of this stuff is going to come out you've already done enough mm-hmm. you didn't have to kill these you people yeah you're going to get the end result that you want. Everything's going to be exposed. And also, I don't understand killing Margot. I think that was this like frenzied yeah. at the end, worried that Margot was going to expose her before she could go mm-hmm. through with the rest of her plan. Yeah. Because it, it even we saw from between Adele's killing, then to Laura's killing, then to Margot's, it becomes more frenzied. It becomes more messy mm-hmm. and you know even ellen points that out like they're escalating there's more things that are going to happen you know and the end goal becomes killing lucas which is crazy because there's so many times that they're in the same room together and you never get any inkling of she kind of like I you know. get the inkling that she's scared of him mm-hmm. yeah and it's like girl you just whip out your knife like you're planning on doing yeah yeah so i just didn't obviously i didn't love that the the killer was you know, this deranged female who was who was driven mad by something that happened to her and and let it ruin her life. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that our main character is also someone who is unreliable and 
isn't dealing with their past trauma and is kind of framed in this way of that they could only live a normal life if they get this answer, if they mm-hmm. get this one thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. her entire life was on pause. And it's like, so we don't really get a success story. Like, yeah, at the end, Ellen is like, cool, I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to go back to my job and all this stuff. But you still don't get the feeling that she's fully stable. Absolutely not. So, yeah, it just. But maybe that's that's built upon in the next book or books. Yeah, I sure hope so. I just felt like it was uh, an injustice to the message about. That's a very valid point. And that's what kind of made me not like it. You know what? Let's get to the ratings. Are you ready? Before we get to the rating, okay. I found this wonderful Goodreads review. It's short. Please. It's a one-star Goodreads review, and I will post it too to like the story on the face on our Instagram once the video once the um episode goes live. But <laughs> I liked the book. I'm just gonna preface that. So seeing this just made it even funnier. But so this this woman, Anna, says So, a character has this nervous habit of chipping her nail polish, and then she's hiding somewhere within the hotel, and they find her because they follow a trail of nail polish clips. I believe this about sums this novel up. (laughs) Totally forgot that's how they find Marco. (laughs) The nail polish chips just all around the hotel. So basically, just the anxiety level of these women is just out of control. Mm -hmm. And they also kept... Ellen kept harping on the fact that Margot was like uncomfortable with her body. Yeah. And like slunching over and pulling her shirt away from her stomach and stuff. And then they just never go back to that. Oh. Like she wasn't killing people because she wanted to lose a couple pounds. Like no. it had nothing to do with Mm-mm. anything. Mm-mm. Like you could have just commented on the nail polish. We get it. We got to pay attention to the nail polish. <laughs> that, that cracked me up. I, w- I had just, I had you know marked it on goodreads and i was like let me just look the reviews real quick and i was like we haven't done like a goodreads thing and i saw that i was like oh that's gold that's gold because that's so so true (laughs) oh my gosh and this super organized killer and that's their undoing is their damn nail polish (laughs) all right so now we're ready for our ratings and our rating scale i had a lot to choose from this week but our rating scale is avalanches because they are arguably the scariest part of this book and no one seems bothered yeah no no one gives a fuck literally an aval two avalanches happen one when ellen is outside yeah and she's like oh it just happened right over there to my left i heard the big rumbling and then the there was trees coming down yeah, that's like, wild it's actually girl, insane go inside. how scary nature is and no one no one cares no, no one cares they're outside in the pool just <laughs> swimming like in the hot will's like i'm gonna go in the hot tub see you later Bye. no there's an avalanche right there uh-huh. anyway so how many avalanches are you giving this book i know like we like always seems like we're giving negative reviews <laughs> but this is the first book that i've read in months that really held my attention. I wouldn't say that I've been in a book rut, but I haven't had the desire to really read much. You know, pregnancy and being tired and even like pre-pregnancy, I was before I had the baby, I towards the end of my pregnancy, I wasn't reading as much. I just didn't have the desire to read. This book like had me hooked. I literally read the last like 250 pages in one day. 
And I haven't done that in months. So I have to give this book credit for that because it really boosted that me wanting to like read all the time again. Mm -hmm. And I did like the book. It had some good qualities and it really captivated me. So I I really, I'm giving it four avalanches. I know that there is a lot of loose ends. And it wasn't yes. tied together as as neatly as it could have been. But there were so many cool aspects of the book that I did like. So, And the mm-hmm. author is, realistically writes very well. I agree. I think the writing was very good. The storyline was had just... some issues. Yeah. Yeah. But we love a book that gets you out of a book rut. Exactly. So, of course, you have to give credit for that. Mm-hmm. I have to give it three and a half avalanches i'm assuming that the avalanche that happened when ellen was outside was a half an avalanche because she did not go back inside so three and a half avalanches as a thriller i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. the atmosphere Mm -hmm. the mystery the twists i mean i agree i was captivated i really was once you get a little deeper into the social commentary that the book itself was trying to convey i'm not pulling this out of nowhere people i know that i tend to preach a little bit on this podcast but they made me and (laughs) that's when it started to lose me a little bit i didn't like that every female character had what seemed like more flaws than strengths because i don't think there's anything wrong with a flawed character but i do think there is something wrong when it's that unbalanced Mm -hmm. and like we said i thought there was so much going on in the plot that it was inevitable that some things wouldn't be fully explained or explored by that ending so i want to say the whole mystery part and even with ellen leading us through her detective work all that i loved once we get to the ending and you know we're tying everything up i was it It kind of lost me me there yeah it it did it lost me there and i was like i said i was i was disappointed with that but but Mm -hmm. the sanatorium feel the gas masks the atmospheric yes relevance of the novel a plus 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 Mm -hmm. and i think with a couple tweaks to the ending this would make an amazing movie oh yeah absolutely like the whole time i was reading it i was like I was mm-hmm. picturing it in my mind and I'm Me like, too. oh, this would be so good. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. So anything else we have to cover? No. I think we did it all. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us or opinions on this book, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on our socials, TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.